Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, sponsored by Big O Tires. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff, and it's Monday, August 26th. On today's show, college football, which is celebrating its 150th birthday this season, begins in earnest this weekend. How will the area Division I programs fare? We pose that question to the folks who cover the teams. Alex Schiffer on Missouri, Kellis Robinette on Kansas State, and Jesse Newell on Kansas. They'll share with us a projected final record and the path to that record. But first, there was breaking news on Chiefs' front today. When Chiefs trainer Rick Burkhalter steps to the podium, he's usually not bringing good news. All right, um, a couple updates for the last two games. So Marcus Kemp, you know, has been placed on injury reserve. In the Pittsburgh game, he tore his uh, left knee ACL, MCL, and has a meniscal injury. He'll have surgery tomorrow with uh, Dr. Dan Cooper in Dallas. That's Kemp from the Pittsburgh game also. Breland Speaks um, injured his uh, right knee, MCL sprain, and a meniscal injury. He will have surgery tomorrow in Houston with Dr. Walter Lowe. And then from the 49ers game um, Saturday night, Chad Henney has a right high ankle sprain, and a fractured ankle. He will have surgery tomorrow with Dr. Robert Anderson in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, I know you have questions about what that means for the roster. That's not my deal. Uh, Coach speaks tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure him and Brett need to get together on that. Thank you. Based on what was known outside the practice facility inner sanctum before Monday, here's where I'd rank the information on the surprise meter. One being not surprising, 10 very surprising. I'd give Marcus Kemp a one. We knew about the ACL, MCL, and the severity of that injury. Breland Speaks, I'd give that a six. When Tano Passanio fell on Speaks in the previous week's game at Pittsburgh, he didn't return, and obviously there was a problem. But Andy Reid was somewhat vague about the injury during the week. In fact, at one point he said, hey, I'm not a doctor. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Well, then came today's news. Chad Henney, the reserve quarterback, out with a high right ankle sprain and ankle fracture. I'd give this one a nine. This occurred in the 49ers game on Saturday, and it happened on his only series of the game. Henney had replaced Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs' third series early in the second quarter, and when Henney got sacked, he got up slowly and started limping, and today we found out why. We don't know the length of the absence of any of the players. I think we'll learn that uh, on Tuesday. But the Chiefs have already made moves in response to the injuries. After Kemp went down, they brought in old friend DeAnthony Thomas and plugged him into some of Kemp's special teams duties. In fact, Thomas got the game's first tackle on a kickoff return against the 49ers on Saturday. Henny's absence left the Chiefs with two quarterbacks. Undrafted rookie free agent Kyle Shermer, who was the next man up in Saturday's game, and second-year pro Chase Litton, who spent last season on the Chiefs' practice squad. Of those two, I've been more impressed with Shermer, although Litton has been a be- has better preseason stats. But the Chiefs weren't going to continue with just three quarterbacks on the roster. On Monday, we learned that the Chiefs are going to sign veteran Matt Moore. He's played 10 NFL seasons, mostly as a reserve, the first four with the Carolina Panthers, the other six with the Miami Dolphins. He was out of football last year. 
Moore's most productive season came in 2011 when he started 12 games because of an injury to none other than Chad Henney. His highest profile game came after the 2015 season when an injury to starter Ryan Tannehill got Moore the start in the Dolphins' first playoff game in eight years at Pittsburgh. The Steelers won, but Moore completed 80% of his passes for nearly 300 yards. It's not unusual for Andy Reid to summon a veteran quarterback for roster depth. Remember in 2016, he brought in Nick Foles to back up Alex Smith, and Foles proved valuable that year, finishing off one victory and serving as the starter in another when Smith went down with a head injury. I believe it was at, uh, at Indianapolis. One thing I know, or at least I think I know, no Chiefs starters will be lost to injury in this week's game. That's because none are expected to play against the Packers, which is traditional for a fourth preseason game. Hey, listen, after this break, we'll be back to talk about the opening weekend of college football and hear how the Stars beat writers project their team's final record. The biggest tire sale of the year could only happen at Big O Tires, but you've only got two weeks to get two free tires. That's right, two free tires when you buy two now at Big O Tires through September 9th. Just buy two select tires and you'll receive two free with the purchase of a one-year alignment and tire protection package. That's half off your tires at Big O Tires. It's the biggest tire sale of the year through September 9th only. Buy two tires, get two free. Now at Big O Tires. Big on service, guaranteed low prices. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. College football season begins in full swing Saturday. Actually, the whole weekend uh, full of college football action, but that includes the local Kansas City schools, Missouri, Kansas State, and Kansas. And we're going to talk about all three of them and their prospects on today's show. We start with the Missouri Tigers. Alex Schiffer, who covers Mizzou for the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com, joins us and. Alex, I got to say, I, I saw your predictions in in the paper this weekend, and you are um, you are optimistic. Although I, I've seen that same record projected by other people, ten and two. Just give me a brief uh, reasoning how you got to to that record. Yeah, you know, I, I just when I kept looking at the teams and the way Missouri schedule falls, I I just didn't have a really good reason except for being maybe too optimistic to pick against them in every game except Georgia and Florida. And even, you know, the way Florida played the other night changed my mind. There'll be plenty of chances for them to kind of rechange my mind. But I, I just, you know, they should be favored in, in 11, 10 or 11 games. Obviously, it's very hard for a team to win every game they're favored in. But you look at the teams they subbed out compared to last season. Ole Miss in the SEC West from Alabama – 
you know, West Virginia's a little down. I had two schools with coaching changes in Troy and West Virginia. I just, I just had a hard time going against them based on how they, how they should play and what those schools should be. So, you know, if I saw your game-by-game prediction as well. Um, Tigers started the season, or at least they're going to start the season outside the top 25 in the Associated Press poll. I believe they're the first team out. But they have an opportunity to climb deep inside the poll if, if, um, if, if things break the way you suspect and really the way a lot of people believe it could for Missouri by the time they reach that those back-to-back games with, with Georgia and Florida, and they are back-to-back games, um, that could be, you know, you could be looking at a, you know, a Missouri team that hadn't lost in a couple of months. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, and I, I have a vote in the AP this year. I had them 20th in my preseason poll. I think if they win against Wyoming and maybe a, a team or two in the late 20s goes down, they can sneak in for next week's poll. And, and I think if they beat West Virginia next Saturday, they're, they're a lock at 2-0 and with a win like that to get in. So I... I think that they could very well be eight eight zero going into Georgia uh, come November, and it being a top ten matchup with College Game Day there under the lights on ABC, the whole nine yards. What's this team's greatest strength? That's a good question. I would say the tight end position because I think that that's the position where they have the most dudes instead of just guys. You know, they have Alberto was there, who might be the best tight end in the country. I know those other millennial phrase I just used on you, um, Daniel Parker from Blue. Springs was an all-SEC freshman tight end. They're very high on Isaiah Swinson, who's behind those two. And Nico Hay from CBC in St. Louis is going to burn the red shirt. Very late offer. They offered him in December. He was mostly hearing from Mac schools, and now he's going to play as a true freshman in the SEC. So I think that that's the position where they have the most proven guys. And the rest just have some guys that I'd say running back would be the second-place team for that, having Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty. But I think that tight end has the most immediate contributors. I know we've talked about the secondary and the corners as a place of, I don't know, not, concern's too strong a word, but just maybe to keep an eye on early. Has anything in, uh, in, in fall camp changed your mind about that? No, you know, it's, it's tough really with assessing the defense just because they, they've gone from a 4-3 to a 4-2-5, which a lot of college teams have done with the way that the spread concepts in college have kind of been continued to be adapted and more pass heavy. And I, you know, that I mean, they had three elder statesmen at linebacker last year. They lost two to graduation. It's really kind of to pick a strong point for this defense or a weak point, because I, I think that there's a number of positions that could be the strength. that could be the weakness, but it, it's, 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 there's so many reasons you could go on either side. Well, either way, I think this is going to be a, a good year. I think it's, I think it's Barry Odom's best team entering a season and uh, and that's saying a lot. That he's had um, you know he's had some good teams uh, in his in his short tenure in Columbia. Hey Alex, you know we haven't spoken since the NCAA ruled on Mississippi State uh, when they announced sanctions for the violations that included um, students who had completed coursework uh, the the, uh, the 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 tutor who had completed coursework for the students that included ten football players. Mississippi State got three years probation, got hit with some recruiting restrictions and scholarship reductions, but not a bowl ban. Missouri was given the bowl ban after the Tigers uh, were found to have tutor complete classwork for some of their student athletes, including football players. A little bit different uh, between the, um, the the cases, but there's enough similarities there that a lot of Missouri people, uh, a lot of fans uh, and, and people interested in Missouri 
are wondering if there was a, you know, is there a hint of what might be coming toward Missouri, uh, which has appealed its bowl ban and, and is maybe expected to know something pretty soon. Um, is, is there a hint in that Mississippi State ruling that, that could be favorable to, to Mizzou? Yeah, I think I think possibly, you know, I, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this too, but you know, my whole thing on it, they're a little different in that the tutor was taking money at Mississippi State to do coursework and, you know, it seems like Missouri's was a little more on, on doing it on her own based on what the, the paperwork says and everything. But, you know, I, I think and obviously Mississippi State benefited from an NCAA rule that was passed after Missouri was already in the process for their investigation. It essentially allows schools to kind of reach a plea deal with the NCAA. I, I think it would be a very bad look for the NCAA to kind of let Mississippi State walk away relatively unscathed in, in the postseason ban department and, and have Missouri still kind of stick with their original punishment. And it makes me wonder, you know, with Missouri's obviously gone to the appeals committee and everything, is there is the appeals committee going to tailor more toward a Mississippi State-type ruling and dock some official visits and scholarships? So, no, I I think that, you know, I, I had my bold predictions for the season that the bullpen wouldn't get overturned. I wrote that before Friday's news. I would have probably flipped it had I, uh, had I seen Friday's ruling, but... Uh, but I, I just have a hard time seeing the NCAA get away with this unscathed if they let Mississippi State get away with very similar punishments. Yeah, I think there's enough, even though there are some, some differences, there are enough similarities here. The The crux of the issue is the same, right? Um, yeah. Uh, football players who received uh, Im- improper aid from a, from a tutor, th- there's enough similarity there that I, I do think that the appeals committee has to take a hard look at that, and and um, and I, I, I'm with you. I, I my feeling has changed on this. I I didn't think that the NCAA would overturn it. I just thought that it you know it falls. I I remember what the um, the original spokesperson said when the when the punishment was announced about how it fell within the you know the the parameters of of the punishment matrix, but. Now they have uh, they've made a ruling, and now there's a there's a hint out there that that uh, uh, that, that you can that you can compare this to. I, I, it's it's you know it, it's gone from a forty sixty proposition to me to closer to fifty fifty that that Missouri gets a, a favorable ruling here, and uh, and I, and for Missouri's sake and for the sake of everybody who's interested in the story, I hope it hope it comes pretty soon. Let's 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 close on this, Alex. What uh, um, what, either way, is, is, does this have an impact on the way Missouri approaches the season, the, plays the season? I think Barry Odom's done a terrific job of, uh, of managing this story. Yeah, I think that this, the, the ruling itself and its effect on the team is the biggest storyline of the season, and it's a thing that nobody can predict. I mean, does Missouri find out that it's, the bull ban is upheld? all the air comes out of the season and they struggle and they don't win as many games as they should. Does it have an opposite effect of um, them getting the ban lifted and they play out of their minds the rest of the year and, and we're potentially booking flights to Atlanta for the first week of December or something like that? Does it have a quick you know, effect where they find out shortly before a game and it's too much of a distraction, they lose that game or, or vice versa? You know, I, I think it absolutely will affect how the season goes, because I think that's the thing we don't, we have no idea how it will impact is what the ruling is. And, you know, is the team able to kind of push it aside and not really deal with it? Or does it, 
does it become this bigger presence for good or bad as time goes on? All right. Well, it's certainly a story that uh, that you need to follow and stay tuned for. And uh, we will be watching and following uh, your coverage, Alex, of, of the Tigers who traveled to Wyoming on Saturday for the uh, for the season opener uh, and in a, in a season in which uh, Alex Schiffer, who covers the Tigers for the Kansas City Star, believes will will be a very successful one for Mizzou. All right, Schiff, uh, good talking to you, and we will chat again soon. Sounds good, Blair. Take care. We head over to the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, where we talk to Callis Robinette, who writes all things K-State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. And Callis, let me ask you this. What, what kind of record is it going to take for the Wildcats faithful to call it good in Chris Kleiman's first year? Um, probably six and six. I mean, there are some people who are shooting higher. I've had some people suggest you know it would take seven or eight but I, I don't buy that I think most people understand that the team went five and seven last year and that there was a reason that a, a new coaching staff is here and it's not because things were going perfectly last season and there are some holes in the roster so I think people more or less realize that um you know this team isn't going undefeated but at the same time you know K-State fans have high expectations so they're not going to be okay with two and 10 or three and nine or anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, five wins, think people would understand, uh, you know, they matched last season, did what they could do, but six and six would be, I think the, the mark. I think everybody at least wants to get back to that bowl game. Right. Right. If you're a Kansas state fan, you, you were so disappointed last year that you didn't, you didn't go bowling for the first time in what nine seasons, they'd gone eight straight under, under Bill Snyder. So, so six and six, does that give them? Uh, that probably puts them, you know, five and four, four and five, four and five. I would imagine in conference play, since uh, Mississippi State is on the schedule as well, that's going to be a tough game for for the Wildcats when they have to go down to Starkville. So is that is that kind of what you're seeing? Maybe four and five in the league. Yeah, I'm thinking they go two and one non-conference, um, beat Nickel, um, quite pull out a win in Mississippi State and then find a way to win four in conference. Um, I actually think, think that would be a pretty decent start just because to even even get to that, they'd have to beat some pretty decent teams, somebody like Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor. Um, you know, you, you probably aren't expecting them to beat Oklahoma, Texas, or Mississippi State this year, but um, I, I think they've got enough firepower to, to win two, maybe three of those toss-up games. And yeah, so that that's where I, I think they can be right around 500 in league play. Yeah, and and to if if they go four and five, that means they would have beaten a couple teams that are projected at least in the in the preseason poll to finish ahead of them, um, based on their what the ninth uh, ninth place pick, only ahead of KU. So I, it's it's tough to the Big 12 uh, after Oklahoma, I, I think deserves to be the the, the choice at, at the top. And I think in some order, Texas and Iowa State next. But then it's, to me, a jumble of of schools with TCU, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech with its new coach, um, West Virginia with a new coach, and, and, and K-State after, after that. KU, I think, is kind of locked into the 10th spot. But we'll talk to, we'll talk to Jesse Newell about that in, in, a, in a moment. Um, so, yeah, they would, they would uh, have to pick up a, a win or two that, that maybe they're not expected to. But that's... We we got used to that under Bill Snyder. I think that would, uh, I think uh, that would uh, make fans happy to see Chris Kleiman knock off a team, maybe one on the road or one in which they're an underdog, 
that's something we've seen Kansas State do in the past. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, the the game I've kind of circled is what I think will be their most likely upset is uh, at Oklahoma State, and that's because uh, they pulled off a big upset the last time they went to, to Stillwater. Two years ago, Skylar Thompson went there as a freshman and had almost 300 yards of offense, four touchdowns, um, and Kansas State won a game where they were – uh, underdogs by 20 plus points one of their biggest uh, upset victories they've had in a long time against the top 10 team and I think that will actually you know help them that they've got a quarterback who's been in that environment and won and K-State beat Oklahoma State last year too so I, I think that's the type of game that they could pull off it's it's just kind of some of the other ones like Mississippi State Oklahoma seeing how just how severely they outplayed Kansas State last year I'm still a little hesitant to say Kansas State can go and, and beat those teams but I, I do think that uh Given Chris Kleiman's record of success at North Dakota State, I think he'll definitely have a, a chance in a lot of those other games. I remember that game at Oklahoma City a couple of years ago as the Byron Pringle game. Uh, That's right. You know, he, he got into the end zone for the Chiefs on Saturday night in the preseason game against the 49ers. He had four touchdowns in that game, three receiving and one as a kickoff return. His best, maybe his best game as a as a collegian that night. Hey, Kels, I wanted to ask you about something else. I, I read this in a story that you had written. Um, uh, last week, I kind of Chris Kleiman kind of turned some heads uh, with uh, with the choice of wallpaper. I, I know that uh, in my house, the uh, you know I, I I don't notice the wallpaper that much, but uh, but I guess if you're in the Kansas State football complex, you do notice things like this. Tell us about the the change in decor in in the football complex. Yeah, so uh, in, in their main meeting room where they come and watch film and and have the biggest team meetings um, on the front left wall where the Bill Snyder's 16 rules of success used to, used to rest. Now uh, that's gone. And now the slogan for the season pound the stone is there. And um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like uh, just about anywhere else in America, when a new coach comes in, it's pretty much expected that he's not going to go by the mottos and slogans and in ways the last coach did, but Maybe that's just a little bit different here, considering that the old guy's name is actually on the stadium and he's got a statue outside. But right. yeah, it, it was it was just kind of interesting that people were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" You know what? What, what happened to the sixteen goals here? You know, we don't you know put the pound the stone up somewhere else, but don't replace that. Um, you know, I I, I found that kind of interesting. People were at least a contingent of people were saying you know hey what, what happened here but um yeah i, I think that just kind of shows you that he's not afraid to put his own stamp on things because um, if there if there was one thing that you would say uh you know could linger on from the snyder era with this team maybe it's that um the 16 goals certain really well over the years but uh, i i think it's a good sign because it, it shows that he's going to be his own man and coach his way and um like i kind of wrote in that article i'm, I'm not totally sure that happened fully when when ron prince took over um i I think especially back then with bill snyder keeping an office in the complex and his son being a full-time member of the coaching staff and and everything i think there was um i mean that ron prince certainly didn't uh excel for a number of reasons but I, i i just kind of always thought that that hampered things a little bit and it uh i definitely noticed this time that there's kind of a little bit more of a clean break there, if you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Okay, so the Wildcats open Saturday. Nichols is the opponent. And uh, Kellis, we look forward to reading your stuff, and we will talk to you again soon.
All right. Thanks so much, Blair. We head over to Lawrence now to talk to Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. And he put his 2019 prediction out there for all to see. Jesse, where'd you, how'd you pick the Jayhawks record-wise this year? <laughs> I picked them at 2-10, and 10, Blair, and uh, maybe it shouldn't have been for all to see based off of the reaction that I got uh, this morning when people were able to see that. But Ooh. as you as you know, it's it's difficult because KU has gone through so many new coaches, and, and there's optimism with the new coaches, and there should be optimism that maybe things can change around. But uh, there were also a lot of realities about the job that make this very difficult for Les Miles and staff, even if a turnaround is going to come here soon. So 2-10 and 10 is what I started with, and uh, we'll see. Kind of like as they always say, the cliche in the industry, we'll see if they prove me wrong. Well, and I'll, I'll remind people that if that sounds pessimistic, consider that a 2-10 and 10 record would match or surpass the victory total for the Jayhawks in six of the last nine years, which is to say Crazy. In, in those years, 0-1 or 2 victories – and over the last eight seasons, KU has averaged 1.9 victories per season. So if they get to number two, they'll have uh, beaten their average over the last eight seasons. Hey, so uh, there was some news earlier this week on the quarterback situation, which is to say, stay tuned. We don't know who the starter is going to be between veteran Carter Stanley and newcomer Thomas McVitie. What do you think that's about, Jesse? Well, I think it's kind of what we've been talking about the last few weeks, and so this is not a huge shock, but um, just to kind of recap for the people that are tuning in now, and that should be a lot of people since it is game week and, and people are starting to really pay attention to the program. Thomas McVitie came in as a junior college quarterback. KU has a lot invested in him. In him. He's a, a guy that started his career at Pittsburgh as a quarterback and then moved off the position, uh, went to Mesa Junior College in Arizona, was one of the top recruits out there available in junior college but for Kansas to take him with one of their precious few scholarships they had last year David Beatty kind of used a bunch of different ones in advance uh, by blue shirting people so uh, Les Miles and staff only got really 15 true scholarships to use in the 2019 class to use one on a junior college quarterback who only has two years of eligibility remaining that means you're giving him a lot of commitment so uh, Les Miles said a month ago at B12 Media Days that McVitie had the edge over incumbent Carter Stanley Carter Stanley who's been with the program now for four years but the fact that this thing has dragged on and now that Les Miles has said that they're not going to announce a starter before the game starts. It says to me that Carter Stanley has not only closed that gap, he probably has maybe even looked better in practices than Thomas McVitie has at certain points. And so um, Les Miles even said that they might play both quarterbacks. Uh, it seems to me like or he also said they're going to evaluate here until late in the week to to see who they like in that spot better. But in an ideal world, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I don't think this is what anybody would want is to have a two-quarterback system. I think they really are sort of torn between the guy they sort of would like to win the job and Thomas McGiddy because he would represent a fresh start. And then Carter Stanley, who frankly might just be out there earning the job just because of the play that he's had here in practices and how he's impressed coaches so far. But we've talked about this so much, which is, hey – you got to get this right because KU starts with Indiana State on Saturday, uh, an FCS team that's ranked. And if you look at the Vegas Lions, KU's only a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. So this isn't something you can kind of dip your toe into. This isn't something where KU gets a bunch of you know long grace period. They've got to get this quarterback right from the start because their two most winnable games here are here in the first two weeks. Right, and, uh, and Kansas has lost games, opening games, to FCS opponents um, in the recent past, um, including last season. 
Yeah, very recent. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Last year, Nichols State, who K-State is actually playing in the season opener this year. KU lost that game. It's been two of the last four years, if you remember. Also, David Beatty's first game against South Dakota State. That was another game. They fell way behind at halftime, made a little bit of a comeback, but KU lost that game to the Jackrabbits um, as you know, an FCS team. And then you know, Turner Gill lost to North Dakota. I mean, everybody lost to North Dakota, it seemed like, back in the day, if we want to bring back these K-State ties. Um, but... Uh, I'm sorry, North Dakota State, but yeah, it's it's crazy because it feels like there's been a lot of good vibes with Kansas football, and a lot has been built up over this offseason, and Les Miles has done a great job with recruiting and getting people excited about the program, and the season ticket numbers are up, and people want to go out there and cheer for a winner, um, but again, this is sort of the week where the road meets the rubber and where the reality kind of kicks in. And so Kansas really, really, however it happens, needs to get a win in this game one to kind of keep some of that momentum rolling and keep things heading in the right direction and try to keep some of these recruits that have already signed up and said, hey, we believe in you, Les Miles. We believe in the vision that's coming to this program. All right, so where, where what strengths does this KU football team have? When, when, you, when you project a 2-10 and 10 team, I think you can pretty much uh, identify weaknesses across the board. But where, where are this team's strengths? Well, absolutely, you start with the secondary. They have guys there that even if you're not um, diehard KU football fan, you should have heard of just because of the contributions they've made over time. You know, Bryce Tornaden is a local kid from Lawrence Free State. He's developed into one of their best players as a team captain, a senior now. Mike Lee, uh, you know, a safety from the New Orleans area, the first of the Louisianimals to uh, commit to Kansas. Uh, he was a freshman uh, a freshman All-American but from Rivals back his first year. Corian Harris followed uh, Mike Lee, you know, he's a sophomore cornerback and also was a four-star recruit out of high school, one of the best recruits that David Beatty brought in. And so you add all those guys together. Davon Ferguson, they're expecting a lot out of him. He had a big spring game. Jeremiah McCullough is another guy you look at, and uh, he is first on the depth chart, so he should be able to help them out. And Hassan Defense is a guy that throughout time has helped them at, at cornerback and kind of been a mainstay there. So you start with those guys and a lot of faces returning, a lot of experience and a lot of optimism about that particular group. You also move on the offensive side of the ball. I think they like their offensive line, and they also, um, running backs-wise, should definitely like what they have there because Puka Williams comes back as a first-team Big 12 uh, player. That doesn't happen at Kansas very often. And then the depth behind him. Khalil Herbert has been a contributor ever since his true freshman year and has done that for three years. And Dom Williams has some potential, too. He's a former top-10 running back in the state of Texas history, which you got to be a great runner to finish top 10 in anything in the state of Texas when it comes to high school football. So I think you start with those three position groups, you know, running back, they like their offensive linemen and some of the depth and uh, experience they bring back. And then definitely the secondary where they have a lot of different guys uh, you can rely upon and that have contributed in the past. Outside of that, there might be some question marks in some other areas, but those are the ones you would start with to say, hey, if Katie's going to have a good season, it's really going to start with those guys. And just a reminder, Puka Williams won't play this weekend serving the, the one-game suspension. He, he pulls on the pads for Coastal Carolina in Week 2, I believe. That's right. And also, um, they brought in another guy, uh, Malcolm Lee, on the defensive line, which defensive line is one of those big question marks for them. Uh, he also will be sitting out this first game as part of a suspension. He was uh, arrested on suspicion of DUI over the offseason, too. So KU will be shorthanded in a couple ways because of some of these uh, you know, offseason sort of punishment type things. And that might be figured into that number when I talk about, hey, KU's a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Indiana State, which is ranked 16th in the FCS poll. But once again, I think the perception, even with as bad as KU football has been, has, has been that, hey, this is a 
team that KU should beat pretty easily. I, I'm not convinced that's the case based off what Vegas says. And uh, like I said, Kansas, no matter what happens here, they've got to figure out a way. Ugly, not ugly, blowout, not blowout. They've got to figure out a way to win this game. Right. Just get the W, I, I think, is the uh, is the order of the weekend for, for Kansas. All right, Jesse, thanks for spending some time with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Blair. Links to the college football stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Additionally, Chief stories can be found at Facebook.com slash Red Zone Extra and the Red Zone Extra app. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, help us out by rating and reviewing Sports Beat KC. We'd love to hear from you, and your review can help us reach more listeners. Thanks in advance. Big thanks to the editing skills of our producer, Leah Becerra, And a shout-out to our sponsor, Big O Tires. And speaking of the Big O, on Tuesday, the Stars A-Team will be live from Big O Tires and Independence, 4011 South Bolger Road, starting at 11 a.m. Come out and see us and say hello. This has been Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City. Thanks for listening.